I got some good college hoops tonight involving both Nebraska and Creighton. Creighton taking on Providence in a place where, as you know, Trey Alexander has not won. And this is going to be an interesting bounce-back game here as we look at Creighton and their road ahead after losing a tough one Friday night in front of a home crowd against Butler as we welcome in Matt DeMarinas of White and Blue Review. Good morning, Matt. How are you feeling today? Feeling good. How are you guys? I'm good. And before we get into the game tonight, is it's not even like a secret, but is one of the the best untold or least talked about basketball stories in the state right now, residing with Jim Flannery and the Creighton women's basketball? Because don't look now, but that team They're is really continu- good. Yeah, they continue to just win basketball games. Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like I've been beating that drum for the last three to four years. And there's an elite eight mixed in there, so I don't know what the, right. the secret would be left. I, I would, you know, I think their their home crowds have been getting more, um, you know, have been getting fuller, obviously. But they but the juice is there. I think that this, you know, the people that have rallied around this team bring a lot of energy for their home games. So I think. Uh, while it might not be the most sizable following in the world, I think mm-hmm. it is a passionate one. Um, just because these players have been around, you know, for a long time now. I mean, every single all these all the seniors they have on the team, with the exception of Lauren Jensen, have been there four years, and she's been there three. Mm-hmm. And obviously, she has the you know the very notable moments in her in her first year there with the program, yeah. um, with what she did in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, there's I think I think there's a it's just a different feeling with this team because they've been around for so long that it kind of feels like, you know, you know everything about these players and um, they're always really good with the fans after the game, signing autographs and kind of building building rapport with uh, the fans that have come out for them. But, but yeah, they're rolling right now, 19-3, um, haven't lost since that UConn game. Um, they weren't at their best last night, but also it was kind of a weird game with, I mean, Xavier was missing half their roster and their head coach, so the game plan kind of went out the window, and it was mm. kind of a our best versus your best kind of a game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're they're. I mean, they're still in the conversation to host an NCAA tournament first round weekend. So, um, you know, they're they're doing what they need to do right now. They're just handling business like a veteran team should. Well, and the the UConn game, we were all kind of, I think, left flat because there was some build up to that. It was, you know, when we saw it in Omaha. If you look at the standings right now, obviously it's UConn a couple games clear of Creighton, but then Creighton also a couple games clear of the, like the rest of the field. Where we'll still see those two teams play again. What what's kind of your expectation? Because it, I don't know, just based on on kind of seeing this team from afar. It felt like that night was not indicative of what this team is. That night against UConn and Omaha, that was not what this team is. Do, do you kind of look back at that one and just kind of scratch your head, or, or were were you not surprised with that result? The way that Creighton just really got owned by what we know is a great UConn basketball program, but uh, a Creighton team that it looks like that you know they're 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 right there in the Big East mix. No, it one hundred percent was a head scratcher. I mean. I don't know how much of the psychological component is there just because UConn and yeah. there's a lot of pressure. I think when you're in your own gym and you're, you've played as much um, basketball as Creighton has with this group, like they didn't go into that UConn game 
feeling like underdogs. So I think for some reason when they play UConn at home, they, they build up this pressure like they expect to beat this team. And I think when it starts going the other direction, and I think UConn brings their A game for Creighton too because they know how good they are, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when it starts going sideways a little bit or when UConn gets off to a hot start and it's hard to shut off that, uh, you know, things just get a little bit psychological because they're not 44 points worse than UConn. There's yeah. that's not even they're not even half that, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. They played for some reason they played better on them in, in UConn's gym. They have in their own gym. I think they, but I think they just have that mentality of you know being hunters on the road because mm-hmm. that's kind of what they've built this run on these last three or four years is just going into someone else's gym and, and making things difficult for them. And it's kind of, they haven't really had that edge at home for whatever reason. I think last night was their 20, I think they were, they're 20 and four on the road now the last two seasons after last night, which is just, yeah. just insane. Like, it's so hard to win on the road in college basketball for some reason. They do it at a really, really high level really yeah. consistently. But yeah, they're in the mix still. You know, um, UConn's got tough games left. They have to, you know, still play Villanova again, who's getting on a roll. Um, but it's hard to see where they're going to slip up, you know. I mean, they got pushed this weekend by St. John's, and that was kind of a game where if you're looking for someone to get one back and put Creighton the game back before that rematch, that was maybe one of them too. So, But it's not over. It's a two-game race, you yeah. know, with one head-to-head match left. Uh, but it just feels like right now, from a stylistic standpoint, it's hard for Creighton. It's hard for me to see kind of Creighton being successful at UConn. Um, enough to win the game, I guess. Because you look at the way that each team is built, I think UConn might be a little bit better um, suited to win a matchup like that just based on the way Creighton can attack them and the way UConn can attack Creighton. All right, so it's been uh, several days since Friday night. The Creighton lost Butler. When you see offense like that, you can have one takeaway, but then when you see inability to get stops, you can have another takeaway. What, what was... What did you leave CHI Health Center thinking Friday night after that loss to Butler? I thought it was an incredible game. That was my main takeaway for the before I rewatched it the next day. It was just like I can't believe um, the type of shot making we saw in that game. You know that. So it was. I wasn't really feeling the uh, the vibe of the fan base. I guess because mm-hmm. a lot of I think there was a lot of frustration that they. Um, lost another home game and kind of knocked themselves really. Uh, it's hard to see them overcoming a three game deficit now against, you know, with, with UConn's lead, the way they're playing, um, despite the head to head game left in Omaha. So I think that's tough, you know, because it, it, that was what February set up because of going seven and one in January, they put themselves back in the Big East title race. So in the immediate picture, that was a reality from Friday was. You know, you lost the home game to Butler. Now you have to go to Butler. You have to go to Nova, both teams that beat you on your own floor. Um, and then you have to find a way to chase down a UConn team that looks like an absolute wagon right now. So yeah. probably big picture-wise, that was the takeaway. But, like, in the short term, that was just an incredible game. I mean, 99-98 in regulation is just insane. Um, and the type of type of efficiency we saw, especially from the three-point line from Butler, was was pretty crazy. I mean, because they didn't just hit threes. They got, 
you know, they got fouled on two of them, knocked mm-hmm. down all six free throws. So it's like they didn't they didn't waste their three point opportunities, which isn't something that usually happens against Creighton's defense. You know, they make you take tough threes, tough twos. Um, they make you try to score over Kalkbrenner and Brian Kalkbrenner as much as possible. So to see Creighton's defense kind of get shredded to that shredded to that degree was was interesting. Um, so I think that tonight's the bounce back game for Creighton in in a lot of ways. You know, obviously they knocked them so they're too far back in the Big East title race right now to see that as a clear picture to go after. But you know, these next two road games are really difficult places to play historically. Um, Xavier's kind of got their bearings back after getting humbled by UConn and Providence is, uh, you know, they're, they're, they've, they've struggled without Bryce Hopkins like that, that reality has pretty much set in at this point. So yeah. they're fighting for their postseason lives tonight. Like they have to win this game mm-hmm. when you look at the way things set up for them, you know, they've lost, they obviously lost the Seton Hall game. They played that night without Hopkins, but it's, you know, when you, when you stack it all together, it's, it's six losses in the last. Um, nine games for them, yeah. and they play Creighton tonight. Then they're at Butler. Then they have St. John still left. They have to go to Xavier, who beat them by twenty in their own gym. Have to go to Marquette. Um, they still have to play UConn one more time. Like it gets hard for them, um, considering the way they're playing right now. But I think tonight is a is a dangerous game for Creighton, considering the type of team they're facing, um, and the the type of urgency that Providence is probably going to come out of that game with because they were they got embarrassed the other day on Sunday and did not play well at all against Villanova. So um, it's kind of a gut check game for them. But from Creighton, it's like a get right game to a degree because they have to get back to who they were defensively after after not being. I mean, they didn't get two stops in a row against Butler until like you have to go back all the way to late in the first half, which is. That's crazy to think about considering the, the way they scored. So it's a, it's a get-right game for both teams in some regard, but Providence is more desperate than Creighton is right now when you look at the picture. We're talking with Matt DeMarinas. And, and Matt, Nick and I were talking about this a little bit earlier in the show. How do you think, and, and you know because you follow this team and you know these guys so well, how do you think this team deals with the pressure, especially, and I'm just talking about locally, like with the fans, the expectations, and it's real easy to fall into that. But at some point, you get to a point in the season where, you're like, well, we don't worry about that. We're just worrying about ourselves. And I feel like maybe they're starting to do that. But how have you noticed this team dealing with that? Because it's not easy. I think they, I think they handle external pressure really well. Um, you know, whenever because you know to, you go through adversity through a season, like it's not. Mm-hmm. It's, there is no perfect season in terms of you play out a plan, execute it, you know, you dot all your I's and cross all your T's. It doesn't go like that. You know, there's always some bout of, bouts of adversity that you face throughout a season. And with, with those bouts of adversity comes questions and a lot of noise from the outside um, in terms of, like, you know, what's going on, like, sky is falling type of stuff. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot throughout a whole season of – really any sport, honestly. Um, but I think, you know, with, with the amount of pressure these guys face and knowing that the expectations for this team were set pretty high coming in, you know, you know, being a possession away from a Final Four and bringing all that they brought back and adding what they added, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't come into this um, thinking it was going to be, you know, a slow build and we'll see what happens at the end of the day. It was uh, from day one they wanted to go finish what they started or where they ended from last year. So when you set that bar, no one's ever been to a final four in 
this program's history. So that's a high bar to clear. But I think they've handled it really well because they just don't focus on, you know, what people think of the potential of them being a Final Four team when they yeah. lose the game in December or when they lose a the game at home the other day. Like, that doesn't phase them externally. They just kind of refocus internally and try to get um, some things cleaned up that they know they're better at. Um, some give themselves a position to give themselves a, a, a chance to win game. Um, you know, the next time out. So I think they handle it really well. I think last year's team handled it really well too. Um, you know, when they went through their six game losing streak and still found their way to be in the elite at the end of the day. So I, I'm, I'm I've been impressed with the way this group has handled that type of situation. Those types of situations when they've handled them. Matt, Isaac Trout, we don't see on Friday night. What, what, do, what do you kind of, not only his role, but just the, the that, that four rotation there? Does it seem like that's, we're starting to kind of settle in? I mean, this is, again, February is kind of, you start to see a little bit more of what the teams are going to be, especially when they get to postseason. How, how do you think that that impacts Isaac Trout's role? Well, I just think the other night was a bad matchup. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I actually think we might see, see something kind of interesting tonight because, I mean, Creighton can't play, can't play Ryan Clark better 40 minutes a night. Like, it's, right. it's just not happening. So, I think we might see some um, some Isaac at the five tonight um, and maybe going forward just because, you know, it's an opportunity for him to to possibly get out there on the floor um, more, especially with the type of matchups they might be facing um, at that normal four spot. Um, but like, it was just, I don't know, Butler was just a tough matchup. Like Camille Telford is really good for man for them. And as much as you can mix and match, you know, like put Baylor Shireman on him. Um, there's still something out there, uh, that just, it, it just, it creates too much of a hole in your defense, I guess. Um, so that was just a bad matchup. I don't think that was anything too, uh, too alarming, but I expect Isaac to have a role down the stretch. I honestly think it, 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 it's part of Creighton's ceiling. Honestly, when you look at like, how does Creighton reach their ceiling? Yeah. What kind of has to be filled there from a role allocation standpoint? I think Isaac is still a big part of it because of his ability to stretch the floor at his size. Um, you know, because, because of the ability to be a little bit versatile, offensively different. Um, you know, I think Creighton's, I think Creighton's still a little bit in experimentation mode to find out where, those backup minutes and those, that production is going to come from. I don't think they're going to settle in to just say, yeah, we have six guys that we trust and that's what we're, that's who we're going to play the rest of the year. Cause um, as much as they can load manage and practice, that's a, uh, that's a tough way to get through the next, what, you know, two months, essentially, if you want to go to a final four, trying to play, you know, five guys, 38 mm-hmm. minutes or whatever it is going to be. So, um, yeah, I think Isaac's still a part of this plan going forward, big picture, and I think we'll see him in a have some role tonight um, based on the matchup with Providence because they don't really they don't really have someone who can attack them the way uh, Butler could the other night. You uh, talk about these two games, such a big road trip, and I agree. I mean, there's just so much going on here in the story within the story. But what are you looking for tonight? Because this will be tough in itself. And and like you were saying, this has historically been a tough place to play. I think about the game last year and how tough that was. Providence, obviously, they've gone through the injuries, but they're still well-coached and they play hard. So there's a lot of intrigue to this game, and it's a get-right game for both, like you said. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough read on Providence right now. Because, I mean, the amp or the dunk or whatever you want to call it <laughs> now um, is such a such a unique variable because of how good they've been in that building. Um, and Creighton's one of the teams, like, you know, they have lost there throughout the, you know, these 10, 11 years that this league has been, you know, formed. But Creighton's been one of the teams that's really had a tough time winning there if, if you're, you know, you're trying to compare it. Like, they've only won twice in that building. Um, I think, you know, I think Butler's another team that's only won twice, and then Georgetown and DePaul, obviously. They've only won, I think, once a piece there. Um, so it's been a hard place for Creighton to play, and it's already a hard place in general to play. So, yeah, um, yeah Providence is a tough read because you just look at the way they're, you know, Devin Carter's obviously a stud. But he, has to, he has to do so much now just to give them a chance to win ball games that I think I just don't know how much he can handle through a, an entire season of this, you know, basically. Um, you know, Josh Adoro has to play well, and he does play well at home. I think his efficiency and his, his production, if you look at his home road splits, are, he's much better in that building than he is on the road. And he's really struggled at Creighton. He was 4 for 17 from the floor, so I don't think he's going to be that that bad again, even though, you know, despite the Kalkbinner matchup. They just got to get those other guys going. Like, ticket games has to be a knockdown shooter for them. Um, Jaden Pierre has to be a knockdown shooter for them. They both those guys have struggled. I think Gaines is two for fourteen from three at home since Hopkins went down, and Jaden Pierre I think is zero for his last fifteen from three. So those guys have to be those are two right away that are you know in the starting lineup and uh, playing big roles for them now that they have to be more consistent. And yeah, I don't really know. It's hard to figure out what to expect of this game because Providence is really struggling right now with their identity outside of like, okay, Devin, go get us a bucket, you know, and right. that's a hard way to be successful in this league because of the way coaches kind of game plan and the things that they can throw at you. But it's huge for Creighton. Like they have to find a way to get some wins that they don't normally get wins. Like they have to, you know, they're at the amp tonight. They're at Cintas on Saturday morning, you know, then they get Georgetown at home, but then they have to go to Hinkle and then UConn's next home game. So this next four out of the five games, if you were just putting like, okay, creating chances of winning them, you could see them losing four because they yeah. don't play well at Hinkle. Tintas is a hard place to win and they don't play well at the Amp. And then they have the number one team in the country at, you know, at the end of it. So like, it's not, it would, you know, if you look at like, historically speaking, if Creighton loses four of those five games, that's five losses in six games all of a sudden. And, you know, that could really shake up your confidence a little bit. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really important stretch starting tonight. Like Creighton has to, you know, has to be locked in, focused, and, um, you know, play at a pretty high level to be successful in this stretch because it, it's a pretty pivotal one. Uh, hey, lastly, I, I want to ask you about what we saw uh, in the Big East last night with UConn. It, look, if we're looking at the two, two, the two teams, if anybody's starting to separate themselves from the pack, it, it does appear that it is UConn, and then I would throw Purdue in there. I mean, ever since they're lost to Nebraska, all they've done is won games. Now they that win against Wisconsin was obviously big, but before that maybe haven't been tested as much. But there is a there's an element outside of just UConn's overall talent. And I'm I'm curious if you agree about that, if you've seen this, especially if you go back to that Crane game. Is UConn getting enough credit for just being also a tough team? Like a, physically a tough team when their offense sort of eludes them for a moment, 
that they can just sort of out-tough you, and that might be what gets them back to having an opportunity to repeat as a national champion. Yeah, I mean, I think they have. I think they have it all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think they have it all, and they also have that thing you can't really define, that, you know, what is championship experience yeah. worth, you know? Like, they have a lot of guys who have played at a high level in national championship on a national championship stage. What is what is that worth in a tough moment of a college basketball game? You know, that's that's not quantifiable. There's not a metric for that. You know, it's just it's internal. Um, but I think you see it with how solid they are in moments of stress. Uh, when games are tight, you know, when when the crowd is like anxious, um, and the game is there to be kind of like it's tossed up, and whoever goes and takes it takes it. Mm-hmm. Like I think UConn's that team that goes and takes it. You know, like. But I think that's their championship experience. It's not, like I said, it's not quantifiable, but it's just who yeah. they are. I think it's built in their DNA at this point. And they're just hard to kill. Like you, ha- you They're not going to beat themselves, so you have to beat them. Like That's a tough team to deal with when you also factor in the way they're built from a matchup standpoint and how much skill and experience they have. That's an outside factor when it comes to, like, okay, how do we beat this team? How do we out-execute this team? You know, how do we out grind this team? You know, how do we out like how do we out want this team? Um, that's the moments where I see UConn really be a separator and yep. I, I I think they might be a one of one in that degree because, yep. like I don't think Purdue has that experience. You know, they're, they're Purdue's a team that's just like hungry right now. You know, they got beat by a sixteen last year. They have the national player of the year for the second time in a row. Like but I think, you know, once they get into a game where it's like, you know, where they face somebody who wants it as bad as they do, there's there's going to be a, like an internal battle with Purdue in mm-hmm. terms of like their confidence level of can they pull it off or not, or, or will they will they um, suffer a disappointing result the same way they did last year. With UConn, there is no, there is no wonder. Like UConn okay. believes every time they walk in the gym, no matter what gym it is, no matter who they're playing, that they're going to figure out a way to get the job done regardless of how they play. Yeah. And that's a scary team to, to deal with because there's just a supreme level of confidence there that they'll figure it out no matter what type of game takes place, whether it's a grinded-out defensive game or whether it's a shootout where neither team can get a stop. Like They are comfortable in any situation, no matter what how it's stimulated. Um, so in that from that aspect, I think they're on a tier of their own right now. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to disagree with that at all. Uh, Matt DiMarinas joining us, WhiteBlueReview.com. Great stuff, as always, covering all things Creighton. Matt, enjoy the game tonight. Appreciate you coming on, my man. Thanks for the time, as always. Nick, you guys, you guys be good. Uh, tonight's game, again, if you're looking at it, and, and Matt brings up an interesting point, Jimmy. This This wasn't supposed to be kind of like the stretch of games where you thought, boy, Creighton would be in some interesting battles. That's this is not to say like I'm suggesting that all of a sudden uh, Creighton is in a world of hurt with their schedule right now, but that loss at home to Butler, man, it makes you kind of it's a bummer. It, it is, but it makes you kind of look at the schedule ahead, given the struggles that they've had at Providence, knowing that you've had some tr- some struggles at, at Hinkle as well and you saw what Butler did and again this and is you're going to play a, a very 30 their time yeah it's a very similar theme to what we've seen with what teams are bringing against Creighton where there's that desperation mode Providence Butler again and then coming home to UConn 
And then, after the UConn game, because we, we kind of marked that Butler, at Butler game, in sort of a six-game stretch to wrap up the regular season that was going to be really challenging. At Butler, home to UConn, at St. John's, home to Seton Hall, home to Marquette, at Villanova. I, this Look, Creighton is in no real danger of anything like catastrophic with this season. But as you saw just a week ago where we were looking at Creighton kind of putting themselves into the the three seed line conversation, even a potential, you know, low two. If you're still having aspirations of that, boy, this is this is a stretch here where you got to you got to win those you get it done. Yeah, you got to get it done. You got to figure out a way to get it done. Win at Villanova, win at Butler, then you get a little bit of revenge on the games you lost here. Well, and feeling good about where you're headed into the postseason too. And then Providence, that's yeah. there's no apologizing for winning there, even if they've struggled with injury. It's still tough. Because I expected if if Creighton was to split against Butler, I would have said, okay, yeah, they're going to lose at Hinkle. They'll win at home. They'll lose at Hinkle. Well, they just lost at home. That's not saying. Well, now I expect them to lose at Hinkle too, and they're going to go into against Butler. But mm-hmm. you know, Providence. It's not an easy place to play. Xavier, as Matt mentioned, Asintas, not an easy place to play. Haven't had a lot of success there. So it's it, it makes for an interesting game tonight for sure. All right, we're going to change it over to recruiting talk as it is National Signing Day, the final signing period here in the 2024 class. Mike Schaefer, the very latest. Uh, we are keeping our eye on two uh, individuals in particular and also a decommit from last night on the 2025 class. And then we'll get Mike's overall thoughts of this class and its significance for the Matt Rule era at Nebraska. Shafe joins us next.